And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiable Podcast. I'm here tonight with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. And Pass, how are you doing, Pass? Hey, how are you doing, Gav? Good, good. All right, well, let's start with the Who Am I game. We play uh, Manchester City. I don't know if you guys had, had heard about this, but we uh, we actually play Manchester City this week. Um, mm. So uh, it's a player that's played for both Arsenal and Manchester City. So who am I? I started my career with Paris Saint-Germain before moving to Arsenal and playing 65 league games. I then moved to Real Madrid, back to Paris Saint-Germain, to Liverpool on loan, then to Manchester City, for whom I played 89 games. I then moved to Fenerbahce, Bolton Wanderers, Chelsea, Shanghai Shenhua, Juventus, West Bromwich Albion, and Mumbai City. Who am I? Lad, you, you know who this one is? As long as it's not Sami Nasri. Then, it's, um... <laughs> it's not Sammy Nagy, but it's someone equally detestable. Yeah, um... I've got it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll revisit that at the end. I'm I'm sure you will. Um, more clubs than Jack Nicholas, as the uh, as the old saying goes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get dug in to uh, to what went on and what's going on. So we'll start with the Southampton game. Um, obviously, it was a while ago now, Friday night. Went in there. We all said it's a must win. We have to have three points, which is basically what we said about West Ham too. Um, didn't quite work out like that. So let's start with a starting lineup. Pass um, normal starting lineup, except for Granite Xhaka. Um, we really didn't hear much about this until a couple of hours before the game. Comes out, Granite Xhaka's missing. Um, in comes Fabio Vieira. What were you thinking at that point? Uh, disappointed, um, but I think like most, you're thinking it's Southampton, so even Fabio Vieira should be equipped to deal with it. Um, I think we'd already spoken about maybe Trossard in a number eight role, uh, potentially, of course, Smith-Rowe. But it wasn't a major surprise that it was Fabio Vieira, even if probably I would have preferred someone else, but because I think Arteta seems to like him for that specific role. And just... Arteta really doesn't, you know, he's got player. He, he said before he wants two players for every position, right? So he, he doesn't really want to be moving players into multiple positions and all that stuff. So if he sees Vieira as his backup there, then it's it's no surprise when he comes in. Yeah, I mean, if if Xhaka was going to miss, you know, I don't think it's any surprise at all that Vieira came in. And, um, you know, we're thinking, you know, 20th place team at home, you know, if Vieira can't perform here, then, you know, where can he perform? So, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it makes sense. We always look a little bit disorganized, I think, when Granite Xhaka doesn't play. And we've spoken before about this team having players that perform very specific duties. And when you take any player out of what is our regular first 11, it doesn't look right. I think when it's Granite, it's especially problematic because I think without him, the structure collapses. I just I just think everything collapses around it. Um, Pass, it took us 
20 seconds to start to self-destruct. We, If you go back and, and look at that goal, Partey has already dropped in to almost right centre-back, which is something he did all night. Vieira doesn't come in, and I'm not blaming Vieira for this, I'm just making a note of structurally how the team worked. Vieira didn't drop in to where you would expect Xhaka to drop into, and this isn't the cause of the goal, I'm just saying that you could see it this early. So Ramsdale then tries to play that that splitting pass. Again, I stand by my own rules. I'm not going to criticise a player for trying to play out from the back. I don't know how much he saw of Alcaraz because Alcaraz was kind of standing behind Partey. So I don't know how much he saw of him when he come across to cut that out. He was trying to split the dif- split the forwards, which would have would would have set us on our way. Um, but Paz, the the positioning of the players from the very first whistle just didn't look right. I'll be honest, I think you've analysed that more than me. Um, I, I didn't, because uh, it happened so quickly. I, I really wasn't even looking at the positional play. It looked like a standard um, uh, bit of play that we've done all season without too many hiccups. But um, I didn't notice the Vieira aspect of it. But of course, if you're saying that, then I'm going to 100% believe it because I know Shaka is very disciplined in the way that he advances but also the way that he defends as well and him and party are very much in sync um what what was astounding to me was after what what we had gone through against west ham where there was just serial lapses of concentration that off the bat straight away we do something as stupid as that i i I know you can't there isn't of course playing at the back but they weren't under extortionate amount of pressure at all it wasn't like a high press like uh, Man City would do or Liverpool would do. It was a standard pass that just needed to be done. And it was just a lapse of concentration from Ramsdale. And that's all I can blame for that goal. I know you're not indicating that you're talking more about the positional play. But it was that that was a part that stood out for me. It was just how you can go from a West Ham game where you already were two up and then you lapsed concentration. Liverpool maybe not as much, but West Ham for sure. You've just seen De Gea have a nightmare for Man United doing stupidness. So I think it was incumbent on us, at least for the first five minutes, to just have a bit of concentration. And that was just terrible. Um, But yeah, the positional side, I think that was a sign of things to come from a Vieira perspective. And we'll talk more about that. I'm sure you'll get to it. But yeah, um, it was just a remarkable start. Yeah, I mean, my point on that goal wasn't really anything to do with Fabio Vieira. It was more to do with Thomas Partey, actually. Um, Because, you know, Judge, you've got to notice that Partey was almost dropping into the back line at times. And that that first goal, again, it had nothing to do with Fabio Vieira. I don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming anyone for Fabio Vieira. He had nothing to do with that goal at all. It just looked to me quite obvious that the structure of the team was wrong from the beginning. And that move to that part in dropping into the back line was clearly a plan because Rob Holden is taking too many touches on the ball and taking too long to get out. Did you, do you notice that, Just? Yeah, I did. Um, basically, uh, Holding has not been able to build out from the back very effectively. Like you said, he's, he's kind of, you know, dawdling on the ball, taking too many touches. So it looked like the strategy was to have you know, Partey drop in there and help build from the back. Uh, I think it was more offensive than than defensive, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've seen stuff like that before. Uh, Xhaka used to drop into the back line, you know, seasons ago. Um, 
So no surprise there when they need help building from the back. No, it just, it changes the shape of the team. And I think you can do that if Granite is playing. And again, that first goal, it's in 30 seconds. I really wasn't that worried when that goal went in. I wasn't. No. It was so early in the game. I knew we weren't, I knew we weren't going to struggle to score. So I really wasn't that worried about it. It's just that shape was evident from the start that, that they just weren't right. And I don't blame Vieira for that, by the way, because he's not only coming into a team that he hasn't played in that often, but he's also being asked to play a role that nobody has played because we haven't done this up until now. Yeah. Um, but the party dropping into the back line was something I, I don't think it worked. I think it made us worse. Mm-hmm. Um when Holding first came into the team, the Crystal Palace game, we actually said on here after how quickly he'd moved the ball, some of his passing. As the games have gone on, that's gone away. He's taking more touches. A lot of it is to do with the amount of stick that he's getting, I think. He's under more and more pressure all the time. His fear of making a mistake is absolutely outweighing any of his natural feelings to be positive. And when you see a mistake like Ramsdale made, right, that is the sort of mistake that can be made. That is the sort of mistake that Holding is absolutely petrified of making. It's a mistake, but Ramsdale isn't scared to make it, Pass. No, he's not scared to make it, but I, I, I and, and I, uh, this is the part of Ramsdale's game that we're used to that, you know, and also playing at the back, mistakes are going to be made. But I just think he, in, in this circumstance, um, after what we went through against Bournemouth, Straight off the the bat, they scored um, the mistakes we were making against um, West Ham, not by the goalkeeper, but just certain players. Um, I just thought there would have been a little bit more concentration. And again, it wasn't a difficult pass he had to make. He had people either side. And as as I said before, it wasn't a really high press. They they were pressing higher than we thought they would, but it wasn't an extreme one. Um, So it was easy. It could have easily been dealt with. I just... It, it just kind of maybe exemplifies what we've been seeing over the last uh, three games where we're just not really at the races uh, for big parts of the game. And the second goal absolutely bears that out because just we have a bad touch from Partey in midfield. He nudges it back at like the third touch to try and get it towards Odegaard. Odegaard comes in, he's stretching for it. He's got a player at his back. He tries to whip it across to Vieira. Um, doesn't reach him. Vieira can't get there, can't get back. And all of a sudden, they're away and running at our back line. And, and fair play to that Alcaraz because he took it on really well. It's a brilliant ball for, for Walker. I don't think Gabriel is going to be too pleased with himself. But that's the sort of goal that we were scoring earlier on in the season, winning the ball high, one touch in behind and good bit of movement and and bang. But that's another one where it's just sloppy play from our point of view. Yeah, a real classic Theo goal. Um, we've seen it a bunch of times, and we've done it a bunch of times. Um, yeah, I, I mean, going back to your uh, original point, I find it really interesting that if if the plan was to have Partey in the six and he's dropping into the seat, like, you know, in between the center backs, it really makes no, especially without Xhaka, it, it, you know, I think Jorginho would have been a better option here because you know, again, you know, not blaming Vieira, but that is, that's such a a difficult position for him to step into because it's not even what, you know, what we normally do. And I think, um, 
you know, the midfield just just fell apart. I mean, it, it was not there at times. And I think Party, he's feeling a lot more pressure because he's he's uh, more isolated and and you know you, you just see it. I mean, if both goals were 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 cheap, really. And the thing is, I think Jacka would have struggled in that formation and the way we were playing as well. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if Granite's there, everything's perfect. Because, I mean, past one of the biggest things we've said about Arteta and the way we've been playing this season is he reduces the spaces between players, right? He's given Granite less space to work in, which obviously helps. Partey covers a bit more ground than anyone else. But generally, most people have got their areas. The way we were set up with party dropping into the back line, it left too much space. And we just went completely away from, from what we've been doing. Yeah, and then and then that makes uh the the pressure then then obviously that can lead to errors as well, because when we're when we're trying to attack, there's such a big difference between one player to another distance wise. Um and I, I mean, just to add as well, I think Southampton kind of surprised us. I, I, I'm just assuming it surprised me with their formation. I thought people thought, even though, um, even though they needed the win uh, or it was an important fixture for them, there was an impression that maybe they'll still go defensive. They went quite high, uh, and they came out, you know, with Alcaraz up top and Walcott there. They wanted that. That maybe surprised us in some respects. Um, because we've been used to the lower team sitting back a lot more. Um, so th- that could have had some part to play, but you're absolutely right. There, there just was a disparity between the midfield. Um, the, the one thing Shaka and Party do very well together is they work in sync. They're not that far away from each other, even though Shaka is more advanced. Um, this, you saw a total difference and it, it, it led. And obviously I think, you know, which we'll probably touch on, Party's dropping back could have something to do with holding as well in that, you know, uh, holdings touches on the ball. He doesn't really progress the ball as quickly as possible. So maybe party was there to help him out. It was just a shit show, really. Yeah, it's a hundred percent what it is. Part A is dropping back there to try and take the ball off Rob Holding's feet because Holding's taking too many touches. We're not getting the ball out to Saka. We're not getting the mm. ball out to Erdegaard. I understand why he tried it, but it did not work. And funnily enough, we're about to come to about the only part of the night where it did work, which, which was our first goal, which is when Partey picks up the ball, gets it to Zinchenko. Zinchenko plays a brilliant ball to Erdegaard where he splits the two defenders. And then Erdegaard with a great ball inside the fullback for Saka. Saka gets to the byline, pulls back. Great goal by undoubtedly our star man on the night, uh, Martinelli. And that's the one time, Jazz, where, where Partey coming over to that side and deep actually did pay off. Yeah, definitely. Party dropping into the 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 defense, I think, was a um, a bad move. And again, I agree with you. I, I get why he did it, but um, you know, I think it it kind of hurt us on both sides of the ball. Um, but yeah, you you saw this was you know vintage uh, party. You know how how he how he plays quick in transition, getting the ball out. Um, you know, I think a big problem on the night was that he wasn't in his normal position to be able to do that more often. But yeah, this this was a nice goal. Yeah, Pai did not have a good game. He, he he really didn't. But he was being asked to fulfil a very very weird role yeah. that had a that had a huge scope, an absolutely huge scope. I think part of the issue here is that he really has a has something to do with all all three of their goals. Um, the first one, he's he's pointing at, at Rob Holding to give the ball to him, and Ramsdale don't want to give it to Holding. Blah blah blah. So it's not his fault. I'm just saying he's there. 
The second one, it's his poor touch in midfield that gets Erdegaard into trouble. Erdegaard tries to get himself out of it the way he does a hundred times a game by just whipping the ball across the field and it gets cut out. Um, and then the third goal, it's poor play from Partey that leads to losing the ball to Ward Prowse to give the corner away. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, that's just kind of a, that's just kind of a, a view into how big Partey's role was because he was just had to be everywhere. And I think he's had a couple of iffy performances recently, but I do think when you look, when you look at the bigger picture, there's reasons for it. The first one at West Ham was when Zinchenko was missing. This one is with Xhaka being missing. And I just think it makes such a huge, huge problem. I mean, how many times did, have you said, Gav or, or Justin, where we've said uh, Shaka bailed um, party out defensively? You know, Shaka bailed him out or more, more that than vice versa. But you, you or even party running, going back and defending whatever. But we, we've we've seen that a lot. And I think that that's where you really, you know, you really can isolate the problem because... It just it was not there to complement party. There wasn't that defensive cover because Shaka will provide that. Vieira just won't. Well, that's what I was saying about the structure, though. The structure mm. just collapsed in on itself because it already the structure had been weakened by taking Shaka out of it, which is an it's a very very important part you've taken out. But then you've also moved moved Partey's place within the structure. And it mm. just came collapsing down on itself. It just it just couldn't cope with what was going on. And we had the same thing at West Ham where Zinchenko... And remember, we're already missing Saliba. So you're already missing one. Now you've taken a second really crucial part of that back line away. You've, you've, moved, you've moved Partey from where he usually is. And it, I just don't think we could take it. But we did get that goal back. And then we almost got level right on half time with Ben White. Flick from the corner and Alcaraz, who uh, for me was man of the match in 45 minutes because crazily he come off at half time. But yeah. uh, that that goal line clearance, I, I mean, I thought it was in. I was waiting for the ref to whistle, but when you see the replays, he got there and he got it out. Just, um, I'm sorry, Gav. I uh, I didn't really want to relive this game, so I've not <laughs> seen. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fair enough. I I, I get it, guys. <laughs> Should we all switch this off and then just go and move straight to the preview Start again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. I'm, anyway. I'm in the same boat, just don't worry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Gav. I, I, I'm so, unprepared, but no, um, that's fine. You're, you're talking about so, the clearance off the line, right, Gav? Yeah, uh, so you, you yeah, know, the clearance off the line by Alcaraz, who, who was the man of that first. This half. was some um, Holdings back header, right? When he was it? When, it, oh, it ben, was ben White. White. Ben, it was White, ben, ben White. White. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he was uh, Alcaraz. I, I've seen him actually in previous games. I saw him when he actually made his debut for them, and I thought this is going to be a, a a pretty handy player they've got on there. Uh, it seems like another talent, like Brighton esque. But he was excellent. Um, his because obviously he scored the first goal, he created, and then that one cleared off the line. I thought that was in as well because it was um, kind of remind me back of the old Steve Bold flick ons back yeah. in the day, right? You know, yeah. the corner and the the back flick of the head. Um, but it was, um, yeah, it was tidy defending uh, to our frustration, unfortunately. Yeah, and then we come out for the second half and they changed their system and it seemed to take us a minute to get to get to grips with the fact that they've done it. Like we said, they took Alcrads off. They brought on that Lianco, who's a great A prick. Um, they brought him on and it it really, we then, this is the frustrating bit for me. This is the worst part of the game. It's not even the goals we conceded. It's the fact that for 25 minutes of that second half, maybe half an hour, we did absolutely 
Nothing. Like, like mm. absolutely nothing. We knocked the ball from side to side without ever looking we, like we were going to get anywhere. I thought we struggled to get the ball to Erdegaard, and I thought a big part of that was Partey was so far away from him because he was dropping into that into that back line. They were, it was cutting off all... And, and we were doing this damage to ourselves. They were doing nothing incredibly smart. We just created these huge gaps between our players that we just couldn't couldn't compensate for. And it's no... I don't think it's any coincidence that we started to look our best in those chaotic moments at the end when they basically collapsed into their own box. We pushed right up and all of a sudden them spaces disappeared because we were playing from 10 yards inside their half all the time. So you you weren't getting those huge gaps between players. Um, the third the third Southampton goal came along and that's again part of messing around in the corner. He lost the ball to James Ward-Prowse. He... he kind of won it back then he loses it again gets it and Zinchenko blocks it out for the corner and from the corner Jazz, we've talked about this way that we mark from corners right where yeah. we do this mixture of zonal and man and and here again Granite Xhaka is usually one of the man markers right mm-hmm. he wasn't in the team Bukayo Saka took his place as one of the man markers it's Bakayo Saka's man who walks in at the back post and heads it in because Saka doesn't follow him. It's not usually his job. So we we have a problem from corners, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, and it's it's been apparent for for a while now. Even you know when Saliba was uh, was still playing. So it's not just that we're we're missing you know a, a key part of our defense. I mean we are, but it's been an issue for longer than that. And. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, you know, how we set up the markers and how it always feels like there's at least one or two mismatches. You know, we'll have Odegaard on, you know, somebody bigger or a good header, or, you know, Saka like this time. But, you know, I call I call Xhaka like uh, he's like a load bearing player, right? Like his uh, he's he's even if that wasn't his man, which you, I believe it was right. That's what you said. Saka was on him. Um, yeah, I, I believe it would have been his man because Saka seemed to take over. He's they obviously didn't want Vieira doing one of the man marking jobs, so yeah. it was Erdegaard. I don't know who the second one was actually, but it was Saka on the back post. So Zinchenko, it it looks when you watch a replay like it's probably Zinchenko, but it's not. Zinchenko's marking the area, and Saka's supposed to be marking the man. I think is it is it? I can't remember his name now, but he he spun off the back of Saka and just just basically walked in and headed in at the back post. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's another example of just um, the the uh, the organization that we lose. You know, not having Jaka in the team, I think he probably plays. I mean, can't we all like? Doesn't Jaka strike you as the guy that's making sure everybody's you know where they're supposed to be? I mean, I see him doing that. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, third goal. Yeah, and at that point, I'm. I mean, I think everybody thinks we've we've lost it at that point. We've we've blown it because we we just weren't playing well to go with it. It's not like it was a sucker punch that wasn't coming. And part of that might have been as well. We were already thinking about the next attack, but we we it's not like we were going forward in waves and waves at that point. I didn't see any way back in. But and here we go. This is what we said last week, right? I do not ever want to see Martin Erdegaard taken off the field again unless he's injured. Do not bring him off with 10 minutes to go because what happened would never have happened if you'd have taken him off. It's as simple as that. It was idiotic to take him off at Liverpool. It was idiotic to take him off at West Ham. And thank Christ he didn't take him off on Friday night 
because this is why players like that, you need to get them on the ball at every opportunity, no matter what sort of game he's having, because a little bit of magic, a one-two with Ben White, a shift inside, bang into the bottom corner, and all of a sudden, the belief pass just seemed to flow back into everybody, the belief that had been missing for, for, for what, 80 minutes. And it just seemed to, it just seemed to, the whole stadium was the people that stayed, the people that left your dicks, but the people that stayed, I mean, it, it just seemed to revitalise everyone. Yeah, thank God uh, Fabio Vieira wasn't an option off the bench because maybe he would have gone off. Uh, because I, I I agree with you. I think we we are all in agreement with that. That the Odegaard uh, it makes it, it absolutely makes no sense, especially if you want to win a game, um, because that's exactly what he can do. And he uh, it was lovely, um, uh, lovely shot into the corner, bottom left hand corner. Um, and um yeah that's exactly what he can do i i um i felt that uh, i was with you actually i was i was thinking it was there was no chance i i knew we did it against bournemouth but i just you know you just feel there's a point where your run your luck runs out and i thought this was going to be the game so that absolutely turned it that turned that got the crowd on our side that uh, that built a little bit of momentum and suddenly we we really pushed and uh, and played with no fear, which has been something we've missed for a while. And at that point, I'm thinking we're going to win it. Honestly, I, I really am. Um, the subs worked generally. I think if it was me, I would have left Martinelli on, and I don't think I would have brought Eddie on. But mm. Reese Nelson, I thought, was excellent when mm. he came on. I, I thought the subs this time, the subs actually really worked. And they were sensible subs. They were subs that made more sense. Jesus didn't go off. Erdegaard didn't go off. These subs made sense, so you know th- this is this is exactly what you should do. And Reese Nelson plays a big part in the equaliser, right? Is he shot that gets palmed out and and Saka knocks it back in? Just at this point, the ball had just gone up for eight minutes, and we'll get onto why it was eight minutes in a second. But you got a feel that at that point that we were going to win it, right? I was so confident at that point. Yeah, yeah, I felt really good about it at that point. All of the momentum was on our side. Like you said, the subs were all really effective. We haven't mentioned yet, but I thought uh, Trossard did brilliant in mm. that left eight role. Um, mm. Kind of a new role for him, but I mean, you know, wow, his his quick feet and stuff like that created a lot of uh, opportunity for us. And um, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely feeling like we we go for the winner. And Trossard, he came on nominally in that left eight. He didn't really have to play left eight because they'd right. collapsed into yeah. their box at that point, you know, but he very nearly got the winner with that little jink inside and he, he went with yeah. his right foot and then he cut it back over to his left and bang, off the bar. I, I thought that was in. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had the Reese Nelson shot that just took that deflection that deflection mm-hmm. wide. Yeah. Um, Judge, did you think that one was in? I did, yeah. And I was uh, I was so excited for Reese too to get another moment like that. Um but yeah, just nicked. It looked like just nicked the bottom of somebody's studs. Um, I don't remember who was in front of him, but but yeah, I mean, I think that one would have been good, you know. Yeah, the reason that we had all this injury time was Bazunu was taking between fourteen and the the longest I counted was twenty four seconds to get the ball out of his hands. I don't know when we stopped doing this six and second second seven second rule, um, but the ref waited an hour to give him a warning a warning about it. Since when do we give warnings for this stuff? So when that board went up with eight, I actually thought it should have been longer. 
James Will Prowse said he doesn't know where it come from. I say ask your goalkeeper. But with 98 on the clock, pass. Here comes the moment that we're all remembering from this one. Thomas Partey, a full 40 yards out from goal, with an overload on the right-hand side with Erdegaard and Ben White out there, decides to lash one 20 yards over the bar. Pass. And at the, t- at the time, you're thinking that's a stupid, stupid decision to make. At the time... You know, obviously we're looking back retrospectively, but at the time I was thinking, what are you doing? We're attacking. Everyone's attacking. You're, yes, you've got a shot on you, but you're not, you know, you're not David Beckham, you know. So you, you're going to, you, the best option for you is to pass it. Um, so I don't, and, and it actually then was highlighted by the fact that our next attack, we did nearly score. So if he had just released the bloody ball, we would have had two opportunities rather than just the one after that. It was a mind-boggling decision. I don't know why he did that. It's one thing doing that in the first half, early doors against Spurs, but doing that in your last minutes is just insanity. I don't know what he was doing. And this is why, and I hope someone from the club is listening to this, when Thomas Partey gets the ball 40 yards out from goal and people people start shouting, shoot, Take their membership cards away. Take their season ticket cards away. Do uh, not let them back inside the Emirates. And explain to the player that it's in, in a lot of cases it's being ironic because they used to say that about John Jensen as well. So I, I don't I don't think that you know just say the players just don't listen to them. They're being they're trying to be ironic. They're trying to have a laugh. Just fucking do the right thing. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Madness. Absolute. Madness. You know, well, he's so uh, experienced too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To hit that, you know, he's. But he does love what some of these shots. I mean, he does them. Yeah. What the fact he's here, it's just the fact that it was in the ninety eighth minute, and it's it it didn't cost us a goal. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no guarantee that we score anything like that. But for a player of that experience, for a player of that importance to this team, to mm. do that when we put, I mean, you could see Odegaard turned away and threw his hands up. Yeah, in disgust. Yeah, it was you insane. Could, this you could see it. it was it was a nutty thing to do. It it really was crazy. So, well, that's definitely two points dropped. There's <laughs> there's no uh, no arguing around that one. The same as it was at West Ham. Pass. I mean, we're doing this the halfway again. We we are. It's you know, I it it was just. I think the whole game was, it just gives me back Derby vibes and Wimbledon 89. It's just, we, we are, these are games that before I was saying, we're going to hammer them. We're going to, we've got to be Southampton. It's in the bag. And then they go and do that straight away. They, they, they're on the back foot. Um, we make it, we really do make it hard for ourselves. I think also just got a point. I think Jesus as well was a bit frustrating in that game. This going down too early. There's times when he could have carried the ball a lot longer and then he's flipped on the floor. You know, that, that, those are also frustrating moments for me because I thought we had, we could have had more chances than what we did. But yeah, we really do, man. We do not help ourselves and we haven't helped ourselves in the last three, four games. And Jazz, how deflating was it at the final whistle, like knowing that basically I know we're five points in front, but those two games in hand, it does hand the advantage to City. How frustrating is that from a position we were in two weeks ago? Oh, I mean, you know, ridiculously so. I think, um, 
I mean, it, you know, it went pretty much radio silence, even on our, our group chat. I don't think anybody really said anything about it, um, for, for several hours. Um, no, I dealt with it the way every healthy human being and, and sane human being does. I, I got really drunk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you almost have to at this point. I mean, we really are our, our own worst enemy and, um, you know, I mean, I, I know we're, you know, ahead of schedule or, or whatever you want to say. And, and, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate to be here, but it's just to throw away the advantage that we've had is just, you know, so frustrating. And again, we're seeing, you know, one or two key injuries out of the side and, and we basically fall apart just like last season. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, in knowing we have city next, you know, it, it's just, it's sickening. <laughs> It is. Well, let's leave the first half there. That's the, that's the game done, pretty much. Um, so we'll leave the first half there and we'll come back. And like I said to you, there, there is a little game on Wednesday night um, that I think you guys should probably watch it. It'll be a good one. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when uh, when we come back. So we'll see you after the break. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime announcements. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience and we thank you for your support. Also, don't forget to check out our socials. We are The NN Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We try and put out some cool content, so give us a like or a follow and help us build our Guna community. <laughs> Welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Podcast. This is part two. Um, I want to start by saying I fucking love this team. That's that's kind of where I want to start this second half of it because we've had a little wobble in the last couple of weeks. There's reasons for it. We've had a couple of injuries. But I'm fully behind this team. And whether we win or not at the Etihad tomorrow night, I mean, this has been a this has been a great season, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about it a few times in the podcast. I mean, as as much as we're the fact that we're despondent, um, being unbeaten in ten games, um, I believe, um, since the City game, um, and we're despondent about a draw at Anfield, um, and um, we're ahead. We're, we're top of the league table. Um, and we, we're upset about that. It just shows you what a good season it has been and how the expectations has been raised, the levels have been raised. Um, and even our um, our feel-good factor has raised. I mean, we, we've been used to mediocrity for such a long time and um, just, uh, you know, really difficult days. So um, absolutely, man. I, I think when you put it into perspective and when the season ends, that's exactly how we'll be feeling. We're in the moment at the mo at this particular instance but um i think in the um when you look back when we will do at the end of the season it's been it's been an amazing season for us and this is a springboard as well just we're we're building not just you know this is a young team this isn't just about this year this is about this year next year year after year after that this puts us in position to go after some of the best players in the world where we really haven't been in that market for for a long long time and and really build something on top of what we've got yeah, the progress is huge. I mean, we've come we've come on like leaps and bounds even since last season. And um, yeah, we're in a situation now where, 
you know, almost no player is, is, is necessarily off limits, you know, um, we're an, we're an extremely attractive outfit, good young progressive manager, young squad. I mean, you just, you expect all these play. you know, we have guys like Saka and Martinelli, two of our best players, and they're not even, you know, they're, they're five, six years short of their prime, you know? Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's massive. And, and you really think this team could become, you know, one of the best in the world if we keep everybody together for a little bit. And when I think to what Arteta said a few weeks ago, which is we're in phase three of five phases and everyone's been guessing what the phases were, right? Is it mm-hmm. Europa League, then Champions League, then challenge for the title, then win the title, then win the Champions League? My kind of feeling on it is that it's a little bit, more simple than that. I, I don't think any manager really talks in trophies because only one team can win them and we're up against a financially doped behemoth. I think it's more, the first part of this was to get rid of the bad apples in the squad, right? To try and build a better, more cohesive squad. Then it was to build the first 11. Then it was to get them challenging. And that, to me, that's where we are. I think the next part is to develop this team where we've got more than just a first 11. And we've seen Trossard come in, but what we haven't seen is the ability, the ability to really change the structure, really change the formation. We're always, it's always like for like. And I, I think that the next step might be to be able to do that because you've seen with Pep this season, he's just changed formation. Like literally in the middle of February, he just went, okay, well, I'm going to play with four centre-backs. I'm going to move one of them into central midfield. I'm going to move these players around. We just we just haven't got a squad where we can do that. Everyone's doing the you know getting galaxy brained about what we can do to get holding out of the team, and the fact is we just don't have the players to change system right now and and move this around. Pass. Do you see the next evolution being maybe signing some players a little bit different than what we have to allow us to do different stuff, to allow different formations, to allow us to cover for these injuries that always happen and they happen to every team but to cover for them in a different way rather than just like for like has to be has to be the the next step in the progress progression of our team because if you look at it um one thing we've been susceptible to um or being found out about post world cup is that teams are understanding our play a lot more uh, and how we're doing it and what our uh, formation most likely will be and how we use Zinchenko as inverted left back and et cetera, et cetera. So there has to be a moment where you do alter your formation because if you are left to doing the same thing all the time, then invariably teams are going to catch on to it. And I think that's what Man City have been doing to an effective level. I mean, I don't think Man City have used... I mean, looking at their team, um, I think you've seen a Kanji at like right back. I, I haven't even seen their actual right back, which is Walker. I haven't seen him. He's on the bench. You've got a Kanji moving there. Sometimes he puts Laporte there. Sometimes he puts Ake there. And then he's got on the left side as well. He got rid of Cancelo, um, which was their natural, um, I believe, uh, Cancelo's left back, right? He was their natural left back. So the fact that he can interchange his defense so easily is an indication where they can have a few injuries and yet feel comfortable to alter their formation, knowing that those players will adapt. So it, it has to be the next progression. I, I, I couldn't think of that not being part of it at all. I think that's that's got to be the way we go. You're right. And that's why getting 
that's why these versatile players are quite handy because you can change the system without changing the personnel, which is what mm. Pep's done quite a lot. You can just build a different way of playing, and I just don't think we're there yet. I don't. I think it it needs it needs a couple of changes of personnel, right, to do that. You know, John Stones, for example, Ruben Diaz cannot do the role that John Stones is playing right now. So you do yeah. need that variation, but you can you can do it within game and you can do it between games, and and I just don't think we're. I just don't think we're there at the minute with with the players that we've got to be able to do that. So, all right, I've gone the best part of 50 minutes avoiding talking about the game on Wednesday. So um, let's, uh, let's talk about it. And actually, as it's gone on, as we've moved away from Friday night where, and even last week where I was in dread at the thought of this game, I'm actually looking forward to it. A little bit more. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not glad that we're playing them instead of, you know, someone easy at home. Oh, mind you, that didn't work either. Um, but uh, I'm I'm not glad that we're playing them exactly. But these are the games that you want to be a part of. And I am starting to feel more and more, you know, after Friday, after the final whistle, I was thinking, well, now we've got to go there and win. I'm starting to think that that's not the case. If we can go there and come away with something, if they're going to roll off seven wins after that, Fair play to them, whatever. But I'm starting to think, Juz, that we just need to get something out of there. Anything would be nice. Um, you know, obviously winning puts us in a better position. You know, three is greater than one. Um, but I think even getting a point would be really huge. I think the belief that it would give the team and in the momentum that because I mean then we'll be what uh, 11 games unbeaten 10 11 or 10 I mean that that's huge and that's a much stronger close to the season than we than we had last year and um yeah I mean you know not to make it sound too basic but I mean anything we can get out of this game you know is a positive and uh it'll again show how far we've come from previous seasons so yeah I mean I, I'd love a point honestly <laughs> and pass we've already lost to man city at home and lost to man city in the cup even with uh a, a very very changed side we can't lose to them three times in the same season and then complain that we didn't win the title like the gap he's going to feel huge 100 percent uh and we, we we've spoken about this off there um it's uh it's psychological it's also just I don't, I mean, I'd, I'd need to look in the archives of has a team won the league but lost twice uh, in the same season in the league to the team second. Leicester um, did. Leicester. We beat them twice, yeah. Oh, we, they're very good. Yes, yeah. When we pipped Spurs to second, right? <laughs> On the last yeah. day. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, let's say three times then because <laughs> let's include the uh, that crappy cup that Man United won. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it just wouldn't feel like champions if you can't even get a point there or, uh, at least three of them, uh, sorry, uh, or, or get three of them. I, I think we can go into that game. Um, uh, you know, the, I've said this before, but I, I, I like, uh, like you, I'm, I'm a little bit more relaxed than I was maybe if we just needed to get a draw there. Um, because I feel that maybe our, tactics or our approach might not be one that is just to go for it because I think we regardless now we have to go for it there is no 
there's no kind of confusion in what is needed as City. The very least is a draw. But that leaves it out of our hands, but there's still games to go. But I think going for that win is is as clear as day. And 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 we can we can go into that with a very clear idea of what we need to do. But yeah, I agree. I think um I think avoiding defeat psychologically is massive and keeps us still in this race. And Jazz, we've we've slayed a lot of demons this year. We've won at White Hart Lane. We've taken four points off of Liverpool. We've one away at Chelsea, although we we do that quite often. But we've we've slayed a lot of demons this year. We've put a lot of wrongs right. And this is just another one. Yeah, this is like the last big one. Um, so, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, it'd be, it'd be huge to, to get this. And, you know, uh, just thinking back, I mean, I feel like we've... Um, we've kind of cleared a lot of our mental blocks already this, this, uh, this season. So this doing this would be, you know, just big. And again, I mean, just be a huge measuring stick of progress. I think Um, it's, it's time, you know, it's, it's it's time to get over that hump. It is. And let's talk about how we're going to do it. So we know Saliba's out. We got the, we got the news um, yesterday from David Ornstein that not only is Saliba out of Wednesday, but it's pretty certain now that he's going to miss the rest of the season. Now we know where we are. We can stop worrying about if he's coming back. We know what it is. Personally, I do not see a change in that back line. I don't think we're going to see any of these crazy moves at right back to move Ben White inside. I think we're just going to, going to go with it as it is in that back line pass. Yeah, I've seen, you know, the usual uh, three at the back. I've seen that as a suggestion. You know, again, anything to avoid putting holding in. <laughs> um, I, I can't see it. It's too soon. It's too, um, we've not been able to experiment. I think you're taking a massive risk to deviate from what the team has been used to um, and then just switch it to a totally new formation. I know Pep has done it, but we really talked about he's got the players to do that. We don't. Uh, so uh, I, I would be shocked if, if you know, holding is out and then we change the formation or we do something which uh, the team is not used to doing. Um, but, yeah, the Saliba, I, I, you called it, Gav, to be honest, and, and I think Justin as well, that he... It looks it, this looks like the end of the season for him, um, which is really disappointing because if there's any player I'd really want to play against Man City is him, um, just purely because he's just so good on the ball and and uh, our our transition of players and plays another thing. But we've got to live with it. This is what we're going there with, and um, I think uh, I, I I do feel um, it, it would be strange if Arteta deviated from the usual formation and and my my question is again i know i know we've had this but would he play trossard because i i i think jesus yes i still have my time for jesus but i thought trossard has been impressive when he's come on and maybe that that extra difference and i think he was really good against city in the um the cup as well is there a possibility he could start up front I don't think so. I don't think you leave Jesus on the bench for this one. My mm. personal, and, and I wouldn't either. I would go in with the regular front three, <clears> knowing that Trossard's going to come and give you Sank off the bench for half an hour. And again, it's bad luck on Trossard. But at the end of the day, our two wide players are the two best wide players in the Premier League. You're not going to be taking them out. 
And then Jesus, like I said, I, I honestly, I just think we miss something when he doesn't play. I, mm. I, it's as simple as that. I think we miss something and he's going to be extra motivated in this City game. Jazz. Yeah, I'm thinking uh I'm thinking Jesus keeps his spot, but I don't think um I don't think Paz's shout is incorrect. I think uh well so I mean the big question, right, is is gonna be is Jaka place. Yep. And I think uh, you know, everything is is really gonna depend on that. It'll be massive. Uh Arteta said he hopes he trains today, but that'll mean one training session between or you know, since since the since the Southampton game. So I think uh, depending on if if Jacques is available or not will will you know change a lot of things. But I well I what 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 are you thinking if he can't play? What would you like to see? So I think first off I think if Jacques can walk, Jacques plays. I I just I I don't see any way that he can play and doesn't play. But if he can't go. To me, I think there is only one solution. He's not going to play Fabio Vieira again. I think the only solution, and I may well have to go and get drunk after saying this, um, but I think the only solution is you play Jorginho and you play Jorginho and Partey a little bit closer to that back line and you leave Erdegaard basically running the centre of that pitch by himself. And you have Jesus like he did against West Ham, although not quite to the extremes but drop back into that central midfield area. I, I just don't see another option there, Pass. No, I, I, I'd probably agree with you on that, especially with it being Man City. You want uh, the control on the ball, but maybe not someone who's going to make too many adventurous runs. And then we have that uh, disparity between, or that big distance between party and that number eight. Um, going to Justin's question, I just... Uh, who we will see there is one thing who I do not want to see there is Fabio Vieira. I think we can <laughs> firmly agree that I, I listen, I, 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 you know, he was a risk and everything, but I think we saw in that game against Southampton, he's so off the pace. He really is. And um, I, I don't even want to see him come on. I, I just think I know Arteta has this, it, you know, he's being stubborn about it, but I think we've come, he, he surely has come to the conclusion that maybe there's something next season, but as far as this season is, we got to win. We're, we're going to win. We're trying to win this league, and he's shown us enough that he's just not up to it. But um, yeah, Jorginho makes sense. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Is uh, Jorginho in for for Xhaka, and maybe he'd be the one that that uh, drop deeper to you know, help the defense build and you just kind of let party run the, you know, more, uh, I mean, basically let them all do what they're best at. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's the best way. I think uh, Trossard would be interesting. And maybe if we weren't playing Manchester city, we might see him in the left eight. I think um, he did. He had such a good showing for Southampton, but that's a, that's kind of a scary proposition going against city. So yeah, I I think uh, Jorginho and and party and, and having them play closer to the defense is, it's going to be the best way to go. But you know what? I would have no problem if he rolled Trossard out there and just said, right, we're going bollocks out. I, I, I would have no problem with it, honestly. If if that's the way you wanted to go, I'm yeah. and, and again, like I said, I fucking love this team. I love this manager. I'm I'm ready to go with whatever he wants to go with as long as it's not Fabio Vieira. But it, it's you you know, uh, Pass, would would you have a particular issue with it? Like I think it would be it would be virgin on suicidal. But I also would be quite interested to see how it worked out. 
Well, we did play him. Uh, we didn't play him in that position against City, um, and I think I made a mistake actually in an uh, earlier in. We played. It was the FA Cup we lost to City, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. so it wasn't the crap cup that Man United won. So my mistake on that. Um, uh, it's. Um, I mean, it would be definitely ballsy. It will be a absolute ballsy move. I can't see it, but if he did it. Um, I think it would be a massive statement. I mean, look, Southampton came out to play against us. They came out with quite an attacking formation against us and they're bottom of the league. So I, I don't feel it would be, um, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't feel it's absolute insanity, but knowing Arteta, I think he'd want to be first, just see if we can control the game and get a grip on it. And and then go from there rather than going, you know, absolute guns blazing on it. And I think that's fair enough. And like we said, he's, you know, you know that Trossard's getting 30 minutes off the bench. You know what he's giving you when he comes on. I'm fine with it. I've got, I got no issue with it. I feel bad for Trossard. I think he starts for almost every other team in the league. But for us right now, I it, it just we've just got the two best wide players in the country. So it just doesn't leave room for him. And I just don't think you take Jesus out of this team. I, I really don't. Even, you know, he had a he had a couple of bad misses the other night. That's fair enough. But he's still got four in four since he's come back. So it's you know, mm. it's not it you know, it's not like he's uh, you know, and he, he always misses chances. We knew he was going to miss chances. This is what mm. he is. But I think we gain so much from him playing. And Trossard plays that and, and not that we don't gain from Trossard, we do, but I just think Jesus gives us more of a presence. It gives us more of an ability to go long, which I think we're going to need because there are going to be times on Wednesday when we just need to get out. And I think Jesus gives you the chance to do that, that Trossard doesn't. That ball cannot stick to Trossard where it does. I think Jesus wins you free kicks that Trossard wouldn't win you by backing in and, and going down. Um, so for me, for me, that's why Jesus plays. Um, on holding... We know that Haaland is going to pull off onto holding. We know that Man City are going to hit the ball long to holding, right? We know because we've already seen it. So we know exactly where it's going to go. Jazz, how worried are you that holding isn't going to last a full match? I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I just, he he can't come out like he did against uh, Spurs last season, you know, where he was and all Man fired City, up. And, and Man City this season. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, he's learned from that. I think, um, you see, I guess my concern is, you know, you mentioned this already, but, you know, holding looked pretty good in that first game he came in. Uh, it was Palace, right? And I almost feel like he's gotten, um, you know, he, he's gotten worse, not better. I don't know if it's just a confidence thing or... But we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I think holding can do a job i mean he he is good defensively and my my complaints with him are more about his lack of being able to like build from the back than it is defensively um i also just don't think he believes in himself i don't think he believes that he deserves to be there and i think it shows in his game that he doesn't believe he belongs in that team yeah he definitely looks a little uh he he looks a little broken you know and i feel like it's gotten a little worse every time he he definitely looks short on confidence but i think he can do a job defensively against holland honestly i think he can it just kind of depends on what holland shows or what excuse me what holding shows up tomorrow and pats how do we cut out how do we cut out holland getting in behind basically because if if that ball goes over holding's head i mean it does ramsdale have to start higher 
does Ben White have to tuck in and not go forward as much? How do we cope with this? Because I, I honestly, I'm asking you, and I've got no idea. Uh, it's 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 a difficult one to to um, make. Listen, it's it's a predicament that every single club has when they're up against Haaland. I mean, you saw what he did to Bayern Munich as well. Um, so it, it's it's a really really big problem. I would think from what you know, one of what you mentioned, I think uh, Ben White maybe not being too adventure, maybe not as adventurous as he usually is. Perhaps tucking in a little bit. Holding will have to stick tight on him, but like you said, he, he he can a ball over the top, a swivel, and he's away. Um, it's a really really tough tough thing to um, and I, it's it's a nightmare to have to be able to think of how to deal with him because you're not just dealing with him, are you? You're dealing what's around him. Grealish is in a in a rich vein of form. Um, Mares can have his days. I don't he even know if he's going to play. He did exactly, and I don't even know if he plays. That just shows you what their what the strength of their squad is. Um, you know, good one. I don't even know if he's in and around the box. Bit of a Frank Lampard sometimes. Um, it's 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 gonna, and then De Bruyne, who's a real pain in the ass for us as well. So, I, I, I it, it, I really don't want to think too much about it because it does give me kind of <laughs> nightmares at the moment. Just think of every player in that, and Foden's not even playing. That's the thing about it. I mean, what we could do with having a Foden in our team at this moment in time. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know, Gav. I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm at a loss as to how you deal with him. The only other thing I could do is just break his legs. That's it. And I'm not advocating <laughs> violence. Okay. <laughs> oh. the, the only thing that I was that I was thinking right, and I, I, do you remember this passing in '93 before both cup finals? Right, the best player in the country at that point was Chris Waddle who was just destroying everybody for Sheffield Wednesday. And um, the way George Graham dealt with it is he didn't trust, he didn't put anyone up against Waddle one-on-one. What he did is he stuck a player, Steve Morrow actually in the Coca-Cola Cup final before he got dropped. Um, he he stuck, a, he stuck a player on John Sheridan, which who was the main man for getting the ball out to Waddle. And I'm just, I don't think it's an option for us because I don't, believe we've got any midfielders that can do that job on De Bruyne um mm. the closest we would ever have had was probably Moel Nenny um and and weirdly enough talking of galaxy brains the other player in the squad that could probably do it would be Takahiro Tomiyasu um yeah. but you know but obviously that's not an option so I, I don't think we've got that option just to stick someone on De Bruyne to try and cut out them through balls Jazz. no and I mean when we're talking about the city team you know it's not like De Bruyne is the only threat to find Holland. You know what I mean? I mean, mm. you've got to worry about, you know, it could be Bernardo Silva. It could be, you know, Gundogan. It could be, you know, oh, God, you've got about it's, Bernardo Silva. Another it's, cut. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not like we can just sit somebody on KDB and hope they won't, you know, create because, you know, somebody else will just do it, you know? Um, All right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this. Let's forget about Manchester City, right? Let's, <laughs> let's forget about their players. And we'll, we'll move on to ours because yeah, we've, we've got the, we've got the two best wide players in the country and, and, mm. and we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget this. We've been talking so much about what Man City are going to do to us. At the end of the day, we're on pace for 90 goals this year, which mm. is beyond my wildest expectations, right? We knew going into Anfield that we were going to have to score multiple times to get anything. What did we do? We scored multiple times and we got something. I think we're in the same position again on Wednesday night. But we can get at them, especially with them wide players. We're going to have a fired up Gabriel Jesus. 
we're gonna have a fired up Oleg Zinchenko, which you can make up your own mind if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> Zinchenko getting too fired up, but but they can be they can be got at, and we do have players that can hurt and pass. Yeah, we do. Um, I, I thought you know exactly what you said. I thought Martinelli and Saka were outstanding against Southampton. In fact, they were the main players for our team and the main threat. So um, if we can utilize them effectively. Um, they obviously do have Rodri in that midfield, who's another 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 one as well. Um Well he's but, already tried to kill Erdegaard once this season, so uh, unbelievable, yeah, and, and yeah. I'm punished for it as well. Um so you know, they they are we, we can get at them. I think defence is probably their weak point, isn't it? They they they're um they don't tend to um I mean a lot of games um I'm 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 going by the ones that I've seen Lately, they they do tend to concede. Um, so I think that's where Mart- Martinelli's in superb form um, at the moment. And he's really causing problems. He was, again, against Southampton in the early stages, causing a lot of issues. So uh, I think that's where we really have to do it. And you, you're absolutely spot on. There's an acknowledgement that we're probably going to concede, but there's also an acknowledgement that we can score. And people, as much as people are going back to the last three games about how much we've conceded, but remember, we've scored the same amount of goals as well. So the scoring is not going to be the issue. Um, we just have to make sure that it's not them scoring more than us. That's all. And I do think, Judge, this could be the time for Saka to pull out them long-range shooting boots because we haven't seen that for a while. He was really starting to develop that part of his game. That goal against Man United, for me, is probably a goal. I mean, it's not Reese Nelson's the goal of the season, but you know what I mean. Like, in terms of the actual goal itself, his goal against United might be the, the best goal we've scored this season. Wednesday night, I think we're going to need to have some pokes from distance. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be able to do or we're going to try to do uh, anything we can to catch him out um i think we're you know kind of disadvantaged especially with the the back line facing their attack so i think any any edge that we can do um you know we're gonna try to take and uh saka he's he has he's gotten a lot better with long range shooting and um you know it's just like i don't i don't uh i feel bad for Mikel arteta because it's like you know there's a lot of decisions that he's going to have to make. Like, I don't, what, what do you guys think? I mean, I don't think we're going to sit back and hit him on the counter. That's just not really us, you know? And I wonder how, how high a defensive line he's going to try to do with holding in there. And it's, um, so I don't mean to get off topic, but it's, you know, there's just no, a it's lot on topic. Of That's perfectly on topic. And it also puts into the way we press too, because Erdegaard is obviously the leader of the press. Usually with yeah. Jesus, do you have Erdegaard vacating that midfield? And if you do, going with Jorginho and Partey, and obviously we're speculating because we don't know if Xhaka's going to be back or not. But if you do go in with that, and Erdegaard is leaving that press, perhaps is that leaving too much space in the middle again? Are we going to walk into the same problems we had against Southampton with disjointed play? Yeah, it, it really is. A, I, I don't envy Arteta thinking of how he's going to manage this game because we were hoping that they'd absolutely slaughter Southampton and so therefore alleviates a little bit of the headache of how you approach Man City. There'd be confidence, things are clicking. But now he goes into this Man City game knowing they've leaked three goals and they're playing the best team in the country, if not the world at the moment. So it's a really, really difficult one. I just hope that Shaka is available because that will be one less headache. Um, to deal with because we're going to need his that cohesion in midfield and we're going to need 
the um the synergy that he has with uh with party there um but uh, honestly i i i really i i i this is going to be the one of this is going to be the biggest test of his career in terms of how is he going to go into this game and how exactly he's going to manage it and considering our record is abysmal against man city since since that famous uh, game with Kozola uh, um we uh, he's definitely got his work cut out for this one that is true but we have beaten him in an FA Cup semi-final since then. So it's true. It, it's three in the not, back, though, right? It, it's not yeah, like totally in, yeah, it's not like in the big moments though that Arteta's mm. always fouled because he he hasn't. That FA Cup semi-final was was a huge moment, mm. and and we won that game, mm. you know. And we've seen games against, you know, we saw the cup final against Chelsea where we were. I thought we were very lucky to win, but. But we we won, you know. We've we've beaten Liverpool, so there there are big games where Arteta has come out. I agree with you that this is this is bigger even than that cup semi final for sure. But there are games where where Arteta has come out with a game plan and done it. I I don't see us changing much. To your point initially, Juz, about what do we do? I think we've got to come out and just go for it. You know, we've all said that this season's been a great one. We're going to remember it forever. Let's just go out playing our way, Juz. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think that's going to be uh, our our best chance for for a point or three is just to, you know, go out play our game and just hope everybody is everybody is sharp. I mean, we need like nine out of tens, ten out of tens from every single player on the pitch. Um, you know, like I mean, Paz said he doesn't envy Arteta. I mean, that's that's the uh, you know he's going to have some big questions you know to answer, but I think. Um, if we go out and everybody has a good game, I mean, I think we can hurt them. It just kind of, you know, I mean, it's scary. I barely want to watch it, you know? <laughs> We're definitely going to need a big game from Ramsdale. I think that's, I think Ramsdale is going to have to make a couple of saves that make you go, whoa. I, I just, I just think that's, that's inevitable. It's going to have to happen. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to have solid games from everyone at the back. I yeah. don't think we can have too much sloppiness from Zinchenko and Partey because they have been sloppy the last few weeks. But mm. I, I think as well that this being the occasion that it is pass, it might just sharpen the minds a little bit. Yeah, I'd like to think that Arteta is going to go into it and say to them, look, it, you know, just exactly what we've been saying. You've had an amazing season. Um, it's beyond expectations. We're still here, top of the league, challenging for the title. And... um you shouldn't have to go into this game with any fear. You should. It should be the absolute opposite. You should be going into this game and playing the way we've been playing for 90% of this season, taking the game to them, controlling it, playing the way in, you know, decisive, uh, decisive passes, um, making sure that we keep the intensity. I, I don't, I feel if they can go in with that mentality where there isn't the pressure, the pressure I think is kind of off now. Because I've, I feel the, the you know the bookies have City as favourites. Everyone's expecting them now to take this get take this uh, title um, with the form that they're in. So really, you got nothing to lose. Yeah, you you lose the game and we probably lost the title. But um, at the same time, like we've said, it's it's an extraordinary season and it's one that um, we can look back with a lot of um, a lot of admiration for. So just go for it. Absolutely, go for it. Um, there shouldn't be any reason why they don't. And just that's that's true with the pressure being off as well, right? Because as far as everyone's concerned, we've already lost it. 
We mm. we lost it at West Ham. We lost it at home at Southampton. We're already out of it. So why not just go there and, and give it a go? And at the same time, that also heaps a bit of pressure on Man City because they're now, although they now don't really have to win this game, they are expected to. Yeah, I think it's absolutely massive, to be honest, that um, that yeah, everybody has basically counted us out. Um, everybody, you know, we've bottled it and, and blah, blah, blah. And everybody expects City to win the game and the title. And I think, um, you know, I just think if if we go out and play our game and, and we we win, you know, I mean, this will be absolutely legendary. You know what I mean? Like this will be a huge game, something people are talking about in 10, 15 years. And if, and if they, they don't win, it's, you know, what was expected. Um, so... You know, I mean, the 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 West Ham and Southampton results definitely uh, have taken some pressure off this game and, and the team for the title. And you know, I think uh, the players are going to be eager to prove it, though. So hopefully, we get a result. And one thing you cannot question in this team is its character and its belief. You just can't because they've proved over and over again. I know bottling it, blah blah blah. They have proved over and over again with Manchester United, with Bournemouth the other night against Southampton, they've proved time and time again, Pass, that they're going to fight to the end and they're going to keep going. Yeah, uh, Villa, uh, Fulham uh, at home, uh, not bowing down, um, definitely um, giving it all they can. Uh, I, 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 I feel that they um, we, we're going to – I don't want to say too much because I, I said that we'd beat Southampton. I said that we'll hammer West Ham. So I, I don't want to make any too much predictions. But I can't see why we would drop the ball in this game. I, I, I would think that we can just go in it and uh, and show what we've been showing all season. There shouldn't be any reason why we, we, why we don't do that. I agree. It's time to just go out and do it now. I mean, the season's just the season's built up to this. Really, there's 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 nothing more to say. I, I don't think it's just a case of let's go out there, let's do it, let's prove it, and then we'll see where we are afterwards. And and, and if we go out there and get beat, so be it. We go out there and get beat by a financially dope team with 130 charges against them, and we're still the only ones in the country who've even given the slightest bit of run for their money mm. this season. So. Okay, well, let's uh, see what it brings, I guess. So, try not to uh, try not to miss too much of the game hiding behind your couchy, lads. And uh, and what about who am I? Oh, the who am I? <laughs> well done. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I, I'm, I've been mentally prepared for. Uh, I was mentally preparing for tomorrow, and I went past it. Okay, don't so, worry. All right, who am I? PSG, Arsenal. I'm not even going to go through the whole spiel because there's just too many of them. Yeah. PSG, Arsenal, Real Madrid, PSG, Liverpool, Manchester City, Fenerbahce, Bolton Wanderers, Chelsea, Shanghai, Juventus, WBA, and Mumbai City. Justin, who am I? Anoka. You agree, Pat? Sulk. It is Sulk. It yep. is Le Sulk. And, uh, and he's two nasty brothers. That's exactly who it is. So <laughs> as much as uh, as much as I don't really want to talk about that guy, that's who it is. So well done, lads. Uh, hope you all got it at home, and uh, we'll be back with you towards the end of the week. Um, hopefully, as long as we haven't all drunken ourselves into stupors. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good night.